The Law of Equivalent Exchange. This is Tim in Tokyo reading Fomodo Alchemist in English from Viz. And this is Patrick in Kumamoto reading Hagane no Renkin Jutsushi, the original Japanese version from Gangan Comics by Hiromu Arakawa. Yeah, what a coincidence. Mine's written by Hiromu Arakawa, too. That person really gets around. <laughs> she wrote it in Japanese and in English. <laughs> I think it's the same story. We have a, you know, thinking about that, it's like uh, some books that we have uh, for my daughter. Some of them are in English and some of them are Japanese. But we kind of have a loose family rule. If the original is Japanese, we want them, we want her to read it in Japanese. If the mm. original's in any other language, doesn't matter, German, French, she's going to read it in English. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. Although I think it was something that my wife had bought a long time ago um we had some curious george books in japanese hmm. but they were translated you know, decades ago uh-huh. and they they made them feel especially dated because like george because george was talking like a samurai well no not like that but <laughs> george uh, was eating spaghetti, but it felt like it was at a time when maybe Japanese weren't familiar with spaghetti. So, so the Japanese said that it was udon. <laughs> you know, they're noodles, but yeah. It was localized. It was localized. You know? <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and also just the, some of the katakana transliterations from English felt out, you know, old, like mm. building was, so nowadays Japanese would say birudingu, yeah. but in this version it was birujingu. Hey. The j sound, yeah, it's it's hard to explain why that is, but yeah, um, usually there wouldn't be a d sound in in, in Japanese, but uh, so my my youngest daughter and I had a lot of laughs out of reading that, you know, at at the translator's <laughs> expense. <laughs> anyway, so we're in chapter fifty one, a portal in the darkness. Well, before we get into it, let's. I just want to start off with the, the splash. With the, the title page, okay. I always seem if to you, zoom right past those. I know. If you if you just look at this page without knowing anything about the story, your first thought should be, "Oh, that's the bad guy." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, with the robot arm. He's got a cloak. He's got a very like skeleton like robot like arm. He's got scars and bolts and stuff, and he and he looks, uh, you know, stern. So you know. You're, I mean, that's what you think. You think, oh, bad mm. guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it looks like uh, the Terminator or something. Right, so when we left Ed, he was in a shallow sea of blood after having been uh, eaten by gluttony. Wait, let me see if I can guess what they did for the English sound effects. Let me, I'm I'm going to okay. guess. Okay? okay, you tell me if I'm right or wrong. All right. I'm guessing that they they changed this zaba zaba to zlosh zlosh. You're close. It's slosh slosh. Ah, uh, see, I thought they'd keep the that fricative going in there <laughs> because of the original has you know has that zaba you know. Mm, but I guess they went with the more conventional English sound effect slosh. So, yeah, he's walking and walking, doesn't see anybody, doesn't know where the heck he is. Um, He hasn't quite realized what's happened to him yet. And he's calling out for Al, for Gluttony, and for the idiot prince, and gets a response, who are you calling an idiot? And, yes, it's lean, and he has a torch. So you, you can see on that first page that, the only reason there's any light is because there's some fire. Some things are burning there. And, yeah, Lean has a torch also. So now Lean and Ed are together, but they have to verify that the other the, the other one is not Envy in disguise. Uh, and so when <laughs> Ed accuses Lean of being Envy, he says, Do you want me to recite the entire room service menu top to bottom from the hotel you guys were staying at? Okay, you're the real Lin. And lean, how do I know you aren't the imposter? You lit. Who are you calling a little runt? Okay, you're the real thing. 
<laughs> so some nice comedy injected there. I laughed out loud at that. I yes. Just, <laughs> I yeah, the up. room service menu. Lean's been exploring too, but it's just total darkness. There's no wall. There's no exit. It just goes on and on. And believe me, reading this, like, I feel despair, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like, what are they going to do? Yeah. And then I Im- immediately, immediately, Ed comes up with something that I didn't, oh, yeah, that's a good thing, you know, to think of. And when there's no other direction that seems to work, what does he do? Mm-hmm. And, you know, we know that they get out, but I have no recollection of how. Yeah. <laughs> um, I read this, what, a decade ago or something. Ed notices that Lean's torch is made of a human bone. Uh, and, you know, there are skeletons lying around, people who starved to death there. And so he just used one of the bones to light from the flame that's on some of the wreckage there, which... Uh, he figures is from when Gluttony swallowed Colonel Mustang's flame attack. So, yeah, I say it again. I'd, I'd like to go back someday and figure out all of the identity of all these things. Like, when when were they eaten? In what chapter were they eaten? <laughs> um, and so then Ed realizes, well, if Gluttony ate the flame and the flame is here, then we were eaten by Gluttony. But they can't figure out where they are exactly because his stomach couldn't possibly be this big. It's just kind of an infinite space. And they recognize some of the other wreckage there uh, from Gluttony's attack uh, in the recent chapters. The lieutenant's car, which lieutenant are we talking about here? That I'm not sure. Because I don't remember a car getting eaten. (laughs) Me neither. That might have been a while ago. But maybe it's the car that drove by when they realized that Lynn was still around. I think there was a, a car drove by with Lynn in it. I think I kind of remember that. Oh, with Hawkeye? Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And yeah. Gluttony? Yeah. What's Hawkeye's rank? Yeah, I was just going to ask you that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, she's not listed she's in, not the, in the uh, character, character list. No, there are only ten characters there. They oh, need she... more pages of character list. <laughs> By the way, the title of this chapter is The Doorway to Darkness, or Doorway of Darkness, right? Hmm. Doorway the, of Darkness. A, yeah, a portal in the darkness. And then the cover of this book is quite creepy and very cool. And it, it also. Yeah, think, and again, Ed appears to be the villain in that yeah, picture. Like, <laughs> it's Evil Ed. <laughs> evil Twin. Wasn't that a comic? Oh, no, that's Evil Ernie. <laughs> a 90s extreme comic yeah okay so then uh ed i want to say captain but i'm not sure um yeah well <laughs> we can figure it out um ed finds al's armor hand there which we saw in the previous chapter he had lost uh in gluttony's chomp so the rest of al is not there so Ed thinks, okay, so he's safe. Oh, the wiki says Lieutenant Riza Hawkeye. Okay, yeah, so I think that must be the lieutenant we're talking about. But he's worried about you know, about Al worrying about him and wishing he could get in touch with him, so he yells out, mm, <laughs> power of telepathy conveniently awakened within me. <laughs> I love that, I love that. <laughs> because I know exactly how he feels, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, have you ever been... Uh, right there, like the test is starting and you're like, I for- totally forgot to study. And like, you know, like that 10% of my brain, you know, awaken, you know, like that, <laughs> that, that, that remembers everything I've ever seen, you know. So, you know, let me into that part of my brain. Maybe if I just relax. <laughs> so they're still kind of puzzled of where they are. It's not outdoors, no stars, no living beings. And the wreckage that they're seeing seems to be from all different time periods. Um, if you can tell different time periods in this world, because it's already kind of a mixture of our time periods. That's right. That's right. You have, what do you got? You have Uber Eats, but you also have uh, Netscape. So <laughs> <laughs> Something like that. Uh, and you have uh, Rubik's Cubes. I'm steam-operated radio. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, steampunk radio. 
So no, this is what I like because I didn't even it didn't even occur to me. But like, okay, there seems to be nothing in any direction except for what they're standing on. Mm-hmm. And so, of course, genius that he is, Ed says, "Well, let's test what we're standing on." Yeah. So they make a hole and drop a torch into it, and they don't hear it hit the bottom. So yeah, I mean, it didn't work, but I thought he was a genius for thinking about it. <laughs> So what does that mean, then, if you make a hole that has sides just by how did he even make it with with alchemy, but it's just infinite? (laughs) So in that case, it has to be a, you know, just like a projection of uh, a mental projection, projection, don't you think? I mean, this location. Yes, it has to be a metaphysical location. You know, like mm. not a physical, but like. Uh huh. So they set out to look for a wall. Meanwhile, Mei Chang is looking for Xiao Mei, uh, her little panda, um, who Yoki thinks is a black and white cat. Which is, you know, I mean, like in Chinese, in the Chinese characters, the the Chinese characters for panda. Mm. I'm pretty sure I made the mistake of doing a search panda Chinese, and of course, all I'm getting is Panda Express. chinese language see yes 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 it's bear cat Mm -hmm. the the characters for panda are bear cat and so yeah that that kind of echoed a little bit Mm, okay and yuki makes a joke that maybe xiaomei got eaten by a wild dog and mei chang just starts gushing tears (laughs) yeah yeah. What's the sound effect for the, the gush? Gush. Oh, boy. There you go. <laughs> Whoever did the sound effects this time, they're like, nah, I'm just going to go with the... Yeah, I haven't really thought about sound effect, and so far in this reading, I'm not finding anything that really sticks out. Uh, well, we learn that uh, Xiaomei had a disease as a cub, which kept her from growing, and then the other pandas all abandoned her, so... Mi Chang adopted her. Yeah, it's called uh, Ed Elric's disease. <laughs> <laughs> and so, like Lean, she's from. Mi Chang is from one of the 50 clans of the Xing Empire, but she's in a really low clan, a low ranking. So she feels like she and Xiao Mei are both powerless and they kind of identified with each other. And since then, they've gone through a lot of things, getting through the across the desert and so forth. So they've gotten closer. And this, I think like this use of Yoki is brilliant because he's like Yoki and Scar. Like we start out like just hating the crap out of these guys. And now (laughs) she, uh, Arakawa humanizes them a bit. Mm. You know, Mm. I mean, she never lets us forget really that Scar has done terrible things. Yeah, it's not but, like he starts to turn good or, you know, renounce murdering or anything like that, but... Yeah, but but he's also not a one-note character, like, he, there's mm-hmm. complexities to him. He's like, <laughs> I'll kill you. No, he's not like that. He's got more complexity than that. And maybe Yoki even has some complexity. <laughs> <laughs> he seemed like a really one-note character till now. Yep, she gave him a few extras. Few extra notes, hmm. sharp F and a <laughs> A flat. But who's listening? Who's listening to their story? It's Scar listening Scar. to yeah. her tell her story and within his little shelter. And she's talking about how she needs to get the method of gaining uh, immortality uh, to f- gain the favor of the emperor, or else her clan will perish. And she starts gushing tears again. <laughs> is it the same gush because it's yes. different it's it's bua in the first one and it's jaba jaba in the second one uh, it's just gush again uh and a couple panels before that we have clench as she's clenching her her clothes there okay <laughs> so yeah, these it's... days when you hear somebody go clench i don't know you just i think of something else I think of clenching your buttocks, you know, like, you know, like when you're nervous or something like that, or. Yeah, I don't know. The sound effects in this chapter are really literal. Stride, sniffle, 
Um, hmm. But uh, the stride is uh, Scar standing up and going out and saying he's going to look for Xiaomei. So do you think that this kind of gives us a hint that it was translated by multiple people? Hmm. I mean, the the sudden lack of originality of any of the sound effects? Yes. Uh, maybe, but um, there's only one one translator and one English adapter credited in the front of the book. Also, we don't necessarily know that it was the translator that did the sound effects translation. No, well, that's true. Because sometimes it's an afterthought. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe maybe the maybe somebody else in charge of the lettering did that. That's possible too. I, I don't. Yeah, that's possible too. Well, touch up art and lettering—that's also one person credited. So hmm, I don't know. I mean, there could there could have been other people who were also involved, and maybe that person is just sort of the leader of them. We don't know. So anyway, the three of them head out. I guess I guess Yoki's going with them, um, but they're heading out to look for Xiaomei. Uh, and Scar won't tell her his name. He, I guess she doesn't even know to call him Scar. She That's calls right. him Mr. Yoki's servant. He says, don't call me a servant. I ask your name. I never tell anyone my name. Call me whatever you like. How about Mr. X, then? And no, not that either. <laughs> <laughs> well, in the Japanese, he says, I don't have a name. Uh, to be called by is mm. what he says. Uh, literally, it's like I don't have a name that's you know worth calling me by, basically, or something like that. Like mm. uh, kind of like how I take that to be phrases. Like I'm not really worth a name, mm-hmm. so call me whatever you like. And she goes, "Okay, Mister X." And she's in, in Japanese. It's "batten." Batten is "batsu." Uh, it's like mm-hmm. another way to say mm-hmm. X. And so yeah. I figured they were going to use X mm-hmm. when I read that. Yeah. And he's like, no, I don't like that either. <laughs> <laughs> Do you ever have that friend, you know, like you're in a group and you're like, all right, let's, go, let's all go to lunch. What are y'all in the mood for? It's like, let's go for Chinese. And like, I had Chinese last night. And they, <laughs> but they never make another suggestion. Those people that always say no. Well, how about Italian? Nah, not my favorite. Yeah, uh, okay. So you suggest, yeah, no, whatever you guys want. No, no, no. You've already said no to two things. Come on. <laughs> yeah. So what should he call them, do you think? We're accepting name suggestions now. <laughs> yeah, well, he does have that X on his forehead. Yeah. Um, so it's kind of an obvious one. But yeah, I don't know. Treasure map face. No. <laughs> so back with Ed and Lean, he's got the gun that Hawkeye gave him, and he's firing it off to the to various directions, including up. But they don't hear any echo or any like sound of the bullet hitting anything. It just goes off into nothing. And Lean's getting tired of walking, and he says, "Just leave me here. I can't go any further. I'm too hungry." Yeah, he has a history of, like, passing out from hunger. And there's no room service here, so. <laughs> um, and Ed's threatening to go off, go ahead by himself, and means, yeah, okay, don't, no problem, don't worry about me, but. Yeah, he's Ed like, just, I'm going, I'm going, really yeah. going now, gonna leave you. But he can't do it. He and can't do he's it. Just he's just carrying it. Lean with, with him on the next page, over his shoulder. While he's got a bone in his mouth. And somehow talking <laughs> with the bone uh, torch in his mouth. But, but this might be one of those things where he thinks he's talking. Like, he thinks he's being very uh, uh, intelligible. But actually what he's saying is... Yeah, that would be tough. We still haven't gotten to the spot where um, I think a good sound effect might occur. Yeah, there hasn't been one yet. The the gun was blam, 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 and then there's more slosh and splash. Wow, I've never heard that sound effect used anywhere, ever, ever, ever. <laughs> Frank Miller hates that sound effect. He will never use that sound effect a now, million times in the same comic. When Ed is carrying Lean, there's a sploosh, which is a little bit more interesting, and then slosh and splash and wheeze and huff. Uh, and Ed takes off his shoe and there's 
drip, but yeah, I guess there is an eye there. It's really small, but yeah, so drip, the blood dripping out of it. Then Ed realizes that leather goods are edible, and he, they could cook his shoe. There uh, wasn't a sound effect for that? Like, realize. No. <laughs> no. So he's going to use alchemy to transmute a pot from one of the other objects and change some of the blood into water uh, to put the boot in and cook it. And Lean's kind of indignant that he's, as a prince, being served shoe. But <laughs> <laughs> just call it filet of soul. <laughs> ha, ha, ha. Um, anyway. Uh, complaints for this joke can be sent to <laughs> Tim personally. Then here's his mailing address. <laughs> just send it to the Twitter account at LOEE podcast. And then I guess they ate the shoe. It looks like there's a <laughs> empty. I love it. that They, they don't linger plate. on it. We can just assume that they ate the shoe. <laughs> yeah. We don't actually see them eating it, but, and you know why, you know why? Hmm. Because he's a prince. And Adako is like, I'm not going to show you a prince eating a shoe. <laughs> He's got to have his, we got to let him have his dignity. Hi, I'm Sophie, and I haven't seen a lot of movies. Hi, I'm Paul, and I'm here to help with that. And we are SP Film Viewers. Each week, we take a deep dive into films that Sophie is seeing for the first time. Some of which are deemed classics, some of which are my favourites, and some are just to try and get a reaction from her. We don't take ourselves too seriously, but we have a lot of fun talking about what we've watched. And we hope you have fun listening to our light-hearted thoughts and ramblings on this cinematic journey. So tune in every Thursday on Apple Podcast, Spotify, and wherever you get your podcasts from. And Lean apologizes because the only reason Ed is there is that he tried to save Lean from being chomped by gluttony. But Ed says it's no big deal. It's nothing compared to his apprenticeship as a kid with their teacher on the island. <laughs> and Lean says, what kind of childhood did you have? Yep. And Ed is just not so much optimistic, he says, as just stubborn. He will not give up on trying to get out of there. He said on an earlier page, uh, even if it's impossible to get out, he's going to get out. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, okay, so somebody shows up. Yeah, they hear the sound of someone coming. Slosh, okay, slosh, I need to know slosh, what the, slosh. It's like, it's okay. <laughs> and then what about when he, they, we see the leg? What is the sound effect there? Splish. Okay. All right. Okay. A little, a little bit, bit vindicated. Yeah. A little bit better. Because all these sound effects in Japanese are pretty much like original, you know? Mm. In other words, they're not ones that you can just look up in, okay. the, in the sound effect dictionaries, you know? Mm -hmm. So that's why I have a little bit of issue with going with the vanilla sound effects in English, you know? I think if the, the, the sound effects were vanilla in Japanese, all right. Artistically, you've got a leg to stand on. I think, I know we pay way too much attention to this one thing, <laughs> but it's so fun because, you know, like what else, you know, we have this, uh, this opportunity to, you know, to kind of look at something in Japanese and English at the same time. And this mm -hmm. is one of the things yeah, that we've sticks out. Run across some interesting, interesting things in comparing the Japanese to the English. And sound effects is one of the harder things to, you know, to to translate because of just the sheer number of Japanese sound effects uh, compared to your typical, like, onomatopoeia that you can look up in the dictionary, you know? Mm -hmm. But I think when you add in all the original, what I call echomimetica, uh, mm. where a word is trying its best to sound like a sound and not try to, you know, just be one of the regular vanilla sound effect words mm -hmm. um i think when you add those in though there's a lot you know there's a lot of flexibility with the mm. uh, english sound effects so they realize it's envy and what's the sound effect uh, over ed when he says i'll do anything just tell us where the exit is uh -huh. it's kua. okay in english it's jolt 
which isn't even really a sound. It's just a, a description. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, it's one of those cases where there isn't really a sound effect in English, but there is in Japanese, and they just had to come up with something to to tell us what the sound was signifying. Yeah, you know what? I'm going to say that's a tough one. It's a tough one. And and jolt is even something I didn't even think of, but maybe that, that might be a, a, a decent choice in that case. Mm-hmm. Because, yeah, sometimes when there's words like when they use words like that, there's no... We just don't have any sound effect that expresses mm-hmm. like surprise, yeah, <laughs> you know. Yeah. But we should get some. It's not too late to develop some. Yeah, we'll, we'll invent some on this podcast, maybe. Envy says there is no way out, and he's saying what a mess because Gluttony was only supposed to swallow the Shing brat, not me in Full Metal. So. Are they in his stomach? Well, Envy says, we are inside his stomach, but at the same time, we're not. And says, little full metal, I mean, Mr. Alchemist, haven't you already guessed where we are? It's After all, it's happened to you before. And he remembers it's... He had this kind of same feeling that he had when he was at the Portal of Truth, back in their origin story. Yeah, but it the place looked completely different. You know, it was just all white. It wasn't a sea of blood. And Envy says, "Hmm, so that's what the real place is like." And he says, "Gluttony is an artificial portal of truth created by Father." I think like Envy is like convinced that they're not getting out of here, so he's just like spilling all the beans. Yeah, 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 yeah. He says, "We're screwed. I might as well just." explain because you know they're not going to be able to tell anybody else we're all going to die here yeah he says even with father's considerable power he couldn't create a new portal gluttony is the result of a failed experiment this is a place that exists between reality and truth there is no exit no way to leave no one can get out of here all that's left is for us to run out of strength and wait for our lives to end and ed's thinking about al sitting sadly by himself with one hand missing from his armor. And then Ed and Lean both accuse him of lying, but you know, Envy doesn't say, it say isn't anything. So. <laughs> yeah. And you know, Ed's worried about what's gonna happen to Al, and you know, we promised each other that we were going to get our original bodies back. And he wonders who this father is that Envy mm-hmm. is talking about. This, this is the first time he's heard father mentioned by any of the homunculi and he wonders if it's president bradley it's a decent guess and envy says bradley ha how can a brat like him be our father isn't that interesting it's because this uh what this reminds me of is so there's a an animated show from like 1966 to 1968 you know same time as star trek uh called uh yokai ningen bem bem the humanoid monster Hmm. and uh japanese animated show and in it like these three uh beings were created they were supposed to develop into humans but they didn't quite develop fully into humans so they're this kind of like half yokai half human hybrid creatures and, but they were all created at the same time, but one of them is obviously a father figure, and one of them is like an older sister figure, and one of them is like the kid. But technically, they were all born at the same instant. So they're mm. the same age, but they act how they look. You know, mm. like one of them acts like the father figure, one acts like the older kind of impetuous sister, and then you have the, the innocent kid who just wants to make friends. So uh, I think it's a it's an interesting kind of illogic that's happening there. But in this case, Bradley looks older, but it's this kid looking envy that's actually maybe the senpai here, <laughs> mm, or at least their their peers, I would say. Well, I mean, but the way he calls him a uh, brat, yeah, it does sound like he looks it, down on him. Yeah, uh, you wouldn't know it from their scenes together, but. But then Ed is think- saying, well, if the president is involved, then the Ishbal War must have something to do with it, too. And then Envy is laughing and admits that he it was him disguised as a soldier 
who shot the Ishbalan child and started that war. And he's so proud of himself for starting such a big civil war uh, with that one action. Yeah, it's like reveal after reveal. First, we learned that Bradley's, uh, you know, not... We, we kind of thought as Bradley is, whoever father is, Bradley seems like the number two. And then the other homunculi seem like they're on the lower rung. But, but from Envy's point of view, like he, you know, he's kind of looking down on Bradley. That, that, that's one reveal. And then now we find out that uh, Envy was the one who started the Ishvalan incident mm-hmm. right Part of the and war that's a reveal yeah and then we, i think we have one more reveal coming <laughs> <laughs> ed is angry because this is the one who started the war which you know left his hometown in ruins turned the Ishbalans into refugees caused scar to become a killer and took the lives of winry's parents and he walks over to him and slugs him and it has no effect Sound effect is thwack, by the way. Still oh. yawning at these sound effects. <laughs> <laughs> what happened in this chapter? I know. I think they outsourced it. <laughs> they outsourced the sound effect. Yeah, maybe so. And then Envy's lettering in his word balloons change and become creepier. Do you want to fight little brats? We're all going to die here anyway. And he starts to change and lean points out that when, and I look back at the beginning of the book and I didn't really see this, but when they were fighting in the forest where Envy was standing, the ground kind of sunk down, indicating that he's a lot heavier than he looks. Uh, And sure enough, he's actually much bigger in his real form. So when you looked back, you did notice, oh, there is something to indicate sinking. Well... There might have been something at the end of the previous volume when he first appeared there in the forest. Uh, In this, well, you can see it a little bit maybe on... All the page numbers are gone because of panels. Um, But this page back in in chapter 50, where he's on the ground here, you can kind of see it. But yeah, in chapter 50, it's not super apparent. Hmm. But anyway, we'll take her word for it because she wrote the story. <laughs> <laughs> Here's a clue that was really always there. Really, really. I promise. <laughs> right. So Envy shows his real form, which is kind of a big lizard dinosaur thing with extra legs and a lot of other beings stuck to it which I guess is a manifestation of the many souls that were used to make the Philosopher's Stone. So this particular two-page spread with uh, Envy's full form, it reminded me of two different series. One of them was Berserk, uh, just because all the heads and the open mouths at different angles reminds me of Berserk. And the other one was uh, Battle Angel Alida. Okay. Because it just uh, reminds me of some of the kind of cyborg characters that had pretty hellish forms. Just kind of reminds me, reminding me of the styles of, like, if I just looked at this panel, it's not screaming Arakawa to me, you know? Mm-hmm. It's got a, like a different feel, a different taste to mm-hmm. it. Yeah, a different vibe. And so now Envy is lashing out at Lean and Ed with his his big claws and his tail and seems to be winning as we change scenes back to Al and Gluttony and Xiaomei. And so both Gluttony and Al are feeling pretty low because Al obviously, because Ed has disappeared and Gluttony because he screwed up and, and swallowed envy and swallowed the human sacrifice. Well, I think there's one thing that uh, we kind of glossed over is that uh, Envy is saying, don't look at my true form, is, is what he's saying here. He's mm. like, and I think that that kind of thing is not... Without a Kawe, it never means nothing, you know? Mm-hmm. The, Chekhov's, the Chekhov's gun is always, <laughs> you know, going to be firing off somewhere. Mm-hmm. So I just want to mention that before we 
get to Al taking a nap with a little birdie on his horn, but Al doesn't really need to sleep. No. He's in med- he's meditating. Gluttony mentions father's going to be mad. So now Al has heard of mention of father, but he's thinking, so this is Gluttony's father? You have a father? Uh, is he the person who made the homunculi? And Gluttony says, uh-huh. Al is wondering, where does all that stuff go? He kind of pushes against Gluttony's stomach. and well, what's, the, what's the sound there? Guess. Push. Um, it's not the sound of, of the pushing. It's the sound of the movement of, of Gluttony's fat. Uh, ripple? You're close. <laughs> fat? <laughs> <laughs> jiggle jiggle oh okay i see all right in <laughs> japanese it's buni buni okay which is again it's atypical it's usually like puni puni or punya punya or something like this but it's buni buni giving a little bit more heft to it so interesting yeah i was <laughs> i was i'm losing the game you asked me to guess <laughs> and I, I couldn't <laughs> Al is kind of uh, getting his feet back under him, saying, you know, uh, Ed may not really be dead. I don't know that he's dead. He's just gone off somewhere, uh, having been eaten by gluttony. So I have to keep keep trying here. And he says to gluttony, take me there. Take me to your father. And in the last three panels, so there's a view of, I guess it's headquarters, and then a picture of Hawkeye standing in front of the car. And then a close-up of Hawkeye with a flashing word balloon with don't give up in quotation marks. Which I guess is still Al talking? How did you take that last word balloon? So usually with like this kind of panel, it's like almost like a, like a, a telepathic flashback. kind of thing. Or, mm. yeah, or a time-displaced thing. So... But it's to me, it sounds like "Don't Give Up" is I don't know, not I don't know. It doesn't seem like he'd say it like this to himself. Mm-hmm. It's no. like somebody saying that to somebody else. And then the fact that it's covering over Hawkeye, I don't know if this is a flashback to something. Well, this is reminding us that Hawkeye is still waiting outside headquarters for Mustang, who is in with Bradley and the other generals, even though we didn't see them this chapter. Right, but, you know, right, the right. previous chapter, we left him there. So it's just a little reminder of that. Well, here's my question. What's with, in this, the last page and the previous couple pages, with all the angelic sky backgrounds? <laughs> You know, it's like uh, when we switch scenes to where Al is, it's like birds and heavenly sunlight beams. And, you know, you can. Yeah, those first few panels after the scene change. But then also when we get to Hawkeye's scene, when we see the city or the the headquarters or the the headquarters. Yeah, there are sunbeams. Yeah. There also, and also the panel above that with the the light kind of coming down on on Al also. Mm-hmm. So I'm just wondering what that what that's trying to to tell us. What that's yeah. Well, I mean it's it's certainly a contrast with where Lean and Ed are, but it also contrasts with the what is it? The losers, <laughs> the three losers. You know. Uh, Scar and uh, Shao Me- no no Scar and Yoki and uh, Mei Chan you know because their their background doesn't have anything special going on no or, or is it showing well I mean certainly in those first few panels Al isn't feeling any hope but it could be a suggestion of ah uh, so the bird so that's what the bird's for mm-hmm certainly on that last page I think that could be that would make sense for it to mean hope somehow i skipped over this but it's really funny how gluttony is kind of like checking out al it's like looking at him from different angles (laughs) it's kind of funny it has a movement Mm -hmm. to it you know these two panels like that yeah al is just sitting there cross-legged um not moving at all and yeah gluttony is not sure what to do he's just kind of 
walking back and forth in front of him, I guess trying to see if uh, if Al will react mm. at all. And you know, it's interesting, Gluttony feel, seems to be asking Al for advice here. <laughs> I swallowed the human sacrifice and I swallowed envy. What should I do? Al says, I don't know. Yeah, he's he's kind of helpless without other homunculi to kind of guide him, tell him mm-hmm. what to do. He's like a big cannon, yeah. but he needs somebody to point him and pull the trigger. Mm-hmm. The other homunculi all seem a lot more intelligent than him. Well, maybe that's because he's the result of a failed experiment. <laughs> well, I mean, I think, you know, just like with uh, the replicants from Blade Runner, like, why not make them all super intelligent? But they don't. It's like they have different purposes. And so if you look at the, the data on each replicant that show up on the screen, they're like intelligent rank A and B. And then like the, the pleasure robots like D, <laughs> yeah, like, mm, mm. you know, they uh, specifically said like, no, no, nah, let's, let's make her dumb. <laughs> you know, like, what? Spend all the money in other areas That's of right. the uh, robot. Just like different purposes, I suppose, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so there is a decent sound effect or two when uh, Envy in his true form lashes out at the other two. So I think I'm going to make my sound effect. Uh, So on the two-page spread underneath, when he swipes at, uh, yeah, when he swipes at Ed and Lean, the sound effect is Zlash. Oh, there you go. Z-L-A-A-A-S-H. Let me ask you this. What is the sound effect in the panel next to that with this little one figure kind of, you know, kind of oozing out the side? There are two sounds there. Blorp and drip. Oh, man, what a disappointment. (laughs) 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 Because uh, in in Japanese, it's like... uh, it's giving us the impression that it was just born right out of the side of his face almost, you know? Mm-hmm. Like there's, it's almost like a popping sound mm-hmm. and then a sliding, oozing sound. Yeah, the blorp does that, I think. But the drip. Yeah, I think that they, they work, but yeah, I mean, drip is, yeah. Again, it's more just a description of what's happening and not really onomatopoeic yeah i know it could really they could have really gone with the like the oozing kind of you know kind of disgusting (laughs) sound there drip doesn't do it so it sounds like you had more a bigger selection of interesting sound effects this time so what's your favorite you know what i was i was kind of gonna i'm gonna go with the uh, the boonie boonie of uh al touching Inappropriately, inappropriately, I might add, without consent, touching gluttony on the body. Yeah, gluttony doesn't seem to care, though. But, I mean, you know, like, we know what Al's doing. He's he's not trying to feel him up. He's trying to, like, where where does where do people go when you put them in here? <laughs> you know? Yeah. He's like, they're not physically inside you, obviously. Mm-hmm. So, I, I'm going to go with the boonie boonie. Okay. Yeah, so this chapter was not so much action as uh, filling us in on a lot of things. I don't know. You have this fight scene. I mean, it's not. Well, yeah, I mean, there's a little bit of action there at the end, uh, next to the last scene. But, But, yeah, reveal after reveal. Mm Mm-hmm. Things are heating up. We must be coming near the end. Nope. (laughs) We're almost to the middle. (laughs) We're... We're driving at Mach 5 toward the middle. <laughs> but, yeah. I mean, something like this, like, if, you're, if you've thought that this story, like, loses momentum, you are nuts. It just, like, it gives you some breathing room, a little bit of breathing space, but then it just kicks you right in the kidneys. Yeah, yeah. Like, here we go again. <laughs> yeah. I, this is way off topic, but I was... I'm starting to watch Star Trek The Next Generations. I saw bits of the first two seasons before I came to Japan, because yeah, it started in 87, and I came here in 89, and I never watched it again. Um, so I'm starting from the beginning, and it starts out with a two-parter. Yeah. It's the weirdest paced thing I've ever seen. 
because they they <laughs> bring up this feeling of danger because there's this guy Q who's going to judge the humans and maybe kill them, and then we go off into these other kind of calm chatting scenes that have nothing to do with that. But it's the same characters. I'm like, what? <laughs> Where, what? You lost all the urgency. You let all the air out of the balloon. I don't feel like there's danger anymore. Well, let me just say thing. this, because I'm also like, I've been rewatching it with my daughter. We just started the fourth season. Hmm. And uh, I have to say that the first couple seasons are better than I remembered them. Like, hmm. yeah, there's some sloggy ones. There's some sloggy ones. Yeah, I've mostly heard negative about the first season or two. But, I mean, that's all I've watched up till now. Well, see, I already had that input. I've already had that input, like, drilled into my brain before I ever watched any Mm -hmm. episodes, Mm -hmm. you know? Like, I kind of boycotted the thing for two reasons. One real and one (laughs) imagined. My real reason... For like my my imagined thing was like bald captain what you know like <laughs> Klingon on the bridge what like I just like you know all the wrong reasons and then but my actual reason was I missed the premiere I missed it I forgot okay. I forgot <laughs> that it was going to be on that night and I missed it and like once I miss stuff like that I get all pissy about it. <laughs> You know, like, I didn't want to watch it anyway, like sour grapes. And uh, so what happened was, is that I've always been a fan of the original, but like this kind of, you know, somewhat casual. Uh, So I never went to the Star Trek conventions because they were always pretty intense, you know, with costumes and everything. I went to general science fiction conventions where they have a little bit of everything. But Scotty was coming to Atlanta. James... Mm. uh, doing right and i love scotty and i was like well that is one convention that i wouldn't mind going to and so also michael dorn wharf was going to be there Mm. and i said and i so i said well i should research a little bit and i started watching the reruns that were on at the time and it was like the klingon uh the klingon storylines uh was about perfectly around that time so i started actually watching in the middle of the series Mm. And, uh, but what happened is like, I went to the convention and it was the most like inclusive, welcoming space. It was so like, people are all in costumes and I was like weirdos. But then when I was there and it, it was like, there were lawyers and doctors and they were like, Star Trek inspired me to become an engineer, inspired me. Mm. to become. A-. And I was like, I just felt so safe and comfortable uh, in that space that I went from casual, you know, <laughs> fan to like, you know, like I'm getting all the autographs. And so, <laughs> and, and James Dewan's talk. You said Star Trek inspired me to be a geek. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> James Dewan and Michael Dorn, their talks were so awesome and so amazing that, uh, and I had such a good time that I, afterwards, I went to like every one that I, that the timing matched for and i i started watching next generation and mm-hmm. uh, i came when deep space nine had started so i had like ca- video cassettes sent to me so i could watch mm-hmm. uh you know the rest of season one or whatever but uh yeah i think the good thing about watching it with a 10 year old i know we're totally off topic now but the good thing with, <laughs> Sorry, about watching, <laughs> watching with a 10 year old is that it really gives me a chance to, to talk about all these kind of moral conundrums with my daughter. Mm-hmm. You know, we have a simulation, a simulated, you know, it's like being in the holodeck and like, uh, give me racism. You know, it's like, you know, <laughs> we're able to kind of go through all these thorny problems and talk mm-hmm. about them together. And so it's, I think it's a really, really good show for that kind of thing. And, mm-hmm. uh, and again, I'm saying like my, this is probably only my second or third like all the way through watch through where mm-hmm. I'm like starting at the beginning watching all the way through because mostly my rewatches were focused on my favorite episodes where which are a lot of them in the third season and I have to say that yeah like I just said like the first season and second season weren't as there are some stinkers but that overall not as bad as I 
uh, as the impression that was left in my brain. Mm-hmm. So. Of course, Fullmetal Alchemist also brings up a lot of those topics to discuss, too, I think. Yeah, like, uh, like what? Portals of Truth. Yeah, I talk that about that with my daughter all the time. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, but yeah, you know, about... Uh, well, you know, there's a lots of different... There's... Uh, there is some class struggle things going on. There's uh, mm-hmm. there's religion and how it can be mani- used to manipulate uh, the masses. Mm-hmm. There's uh, the militarization of a government, uh, and you know there's all kinds of things that I think uh, can be brought up. There's like sacrifice and mm-hmm. uh, you know what is brotherhood and the things that Ed and Al deal with internally. And we realize they never get anywhere until they share what they're thinking with each other. Mm. And so there's, there's that. And I think that's super important thing. It's like, it's even they're really bad at it at the beginning, but once they try to express what's going on inside their heads, that's when all kinds of things are relieved and all kinds of uh, communication starts to actually happen. And with Winry and, just, I think a lot of things, like a lot of tropes that are kind of, are a given in many series, they kind of pick apart a little bit, like the, especially I think Windry's character as the uh, the heroine who's off on the sidelines waiting patiently for the heroes to return. And mm. she's like, nah, <laughs> I'm going to go become a better, uh, I don't auto know. Automail engineer. Automail engineer, you know, and, and, uh. I'm going to get a job. I'm, I'm moving out of the house and I'm going to improve myself and so that I can even be a better support mm-hmm. for these uh, two guys who have, you know, have a mission. Yeah. Okay. So. Well, let's get out of here. Um. <laughs> but we can't, Tim. There's no exits. <laughs> We're in a sea of blood and there's no... I think we just have to use the magic phrase. Right, yeah. The law of equivalent exchange means... You get what you pay for. Mr. Sulu ahead, warp warp factor one. Hey, we did it! We're out! (laughs) See you next time. Next time. Our theme is Winterfiend by Cryosyncope. You can follow us on Twitter at LOEE Podcast or email us at LOEE Podcast at DeconstructingComics.com. Support our show on Patreon at patreon.com slash deconcomics. See you in two weeks. The Law of Equivalent Exchange is a production of deconstructingcomics.com.